Welcome to the EverSaline podcast, the show that ignites your passion for leadership and empowers you to develop a culture of continuous improvement. I'm your host, Matt Sims, and in each episode, we bring you fascinating insights and invaluable tips from our incredible lineup of guests. What do they all have in common? They share an unwavering dedication to excellence and are the experts in driving engagement, improving metrics, and reducing costs. The Ever So Lean Podcast with Matt Sims. You know it makes sense. This episode is sponsored by Catalyst Consulting Limited. Catalyst Consulting exists to help people and organisations work better today and be ready for tomorrow. They have a rich history of igniting business transformation using business agility, lean, Six Sigma, strategy deployment, agile and change management. They can help you and your organisation to develop the skills necessary to work and manage differently. To find out more, check out catalystconsulting.co.uk. Today, we are talking employee engagement and motivation and how this is critical in a lean culture as we welcome our special guest, Debbie Green. Debbie has an impressive resume, which includes a spell as VP of Human Resources Europe at none other than EMI Records, which over the years has propelled the careers of artists such as Freddie Mercury, David Bowie, either a Bowie or a Bowie, I'm a Bowie, Peter Gabriel, and more recently, huge artists like Justin Bieber, Lewis Capaldi, The Killers, Katy Perry, and Taylor Swift. Debbie is now the owner and founder of Wishfish Coaching and Development, co-host of The Secrets from a Coach podcast, podcast. All this whilst also being an established and respected coach and facilitator. Debbie is an experienced coach with a demonstrated history of working in a professional training and coaching arena, skilled in wellness coaching, executive development, team coaching, training design, management, organisational development and recruiting. Debbie is a strong business development professional with a passion for enabling people to shine. Debbie, thank you for joining us today. Wow, thank you, Matt. That sounds incredible. I get you to write my CV next time. That's amazing. <laughs> you <sound> so important. <laughs> I know, I do. Who's that you're talking about? It's brilliant. <laughs> I should have put you a round of applause in there, like yeah. you're coming on stage. That would have been really good, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll run off again, yeah. <laughs> Avoid the limelight if I can. That's the thing. How are you? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. Yes, you? Uh, yeah, very good. Coming good. down off of the you, you sort of the big build up to Christmas, you're rushing yeah. around. It's all magical, and then as soon as Christmas is done, it, it just loses its sparkle, and you're like, mm, done now. Yeah, done now. Move on. Yeah, Tree let's down. get into the new year. Treat. Yeah, mine came down. I think on the Thursday after the Christmas, whatever date that was. I've completely lost track of it. So all yeah. down, all clean, put away. Yeah. I'm normally the day after Boxing Day type of person. <laughs> yeah. What is that? We just like clean. Yeah, get rid of everything. Yeah, do you know what? Although I left it up a little bit longer this year because the tree lights are cheaper to run than yes. the normal lights. <laughs> and they were lighting the room. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do they give you heat? That's the other thing, isn't it? Yes. yes. Good point. I didn't think glow. of that. Yeah. I'll get the tree back up. Get the tree out. Get it out. <laughs> Brilliant. Get it back up. <laughs> Right, Debbie, you have an amazing yes. career history. Tell us a little bit about what you've done. This is brilliant. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I started, originally started way back when in the 80s, I suppose, when I first started as a medical secretary. So didn't know what I wanted to do like most people do. Um, just went into the local polytechnic in London and went, what have you got left? Because I was really late. I definitely wasn't organised, definitely wasn't planned around that. And ended up typing a shorthand and then taking that into the world of medical. So I started off in the NHS working for an amazing lady who was just an inspiration, who inspired me to sort of get into the world of personnel as it was then or HR as it's called now and from then it sort of developed this my love of people I've always loved people and being really curious and inquisitive but she really promoted that ability in me to go keep asking keep exploring keep finding out what people do what makes them tick how do we engage people even back then she was talking about motivation and engagement and so she was an inspiring lady and I was so glad she was my first boss because she set me up for success and so anybody that as I went through my career didn't quite meet that criteria back in the 90s you could just move jobs either through redundancy I had 11 redundancies in my whole career before I went out on my own um, <laughs> which is like madness right but you'd move on you could find another job somewhere else so I moved from there into the BBC and did a stint there in personnel and HR which was amazing and then moved on to go back into hospitals and did some work back in them and then went to work for Liberty Retail in Regent Street which I loved um, and left there 
there in, I think it was about 1994. So I had my son and then went on to work for different organisations. A real eclectic career, but always in the world of people and HR. And then eventually ended up at Telewesters, which is now part of Virgin Media. For those that are out there that will know, oh my God, you're a bell, who know the days of a cable company. Yes. Do you remember them? <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah. So I then ended up in there and another um, amazing lady, Sean Evans, sort of pushed us, if you like, into learning and development and said, I think you could do this. And then I ended, that's how I ended up doing training and development, making myself redundant as you do in when people are going through change. So it was that was the start of the, this whole world of coaching, working with different people, engaging with people, understanding what motivates people, what turns them on, what turns them off. Mm. Um, but she was the one that sort of gave me the opportunity to practice, if you like, and, and get my qualifications and really inspired me to keep moving forward and exploring what it was. So I suppose when I got made redundant again, I decided that I'd set up my own business i set up wishfish back in 2005 and the rest as they say is history so wishfish was born and i love it i love every bit about it and it's evolved over time to i work with a team as you mentioned i, I co-host on a podcast with my colleague laura thompson staveley and we met about 11 years ago and that was a match made in heaven so she's my work wife and then we've just gone on to to work in the world of learning and development and coaching and and yes yeah, so that's it in a nutshell do you know what? I had to listen to your podcast and you do, you gel together so well, the pair of you. It's, <laughs> yeah. You're having a natter. It's like, I can imagine you've got a cup yeah. of coffee in front of you and you're just having a natter. Yes. It's really good. Just, yeah, we met in a Costa at Victoria Station. I was looking... <laughs> Of all the places, it's the power of the network, right? And building relationships and how important it is to keep the network going, which is what I've always done. Obviously, you know, people that might have been in a similar position for me um, who've got made redundant over years, mm. people then go on to other companies and other jobs. And if you've had an impact on them, and I think if you've built that good relationship with people, then when they need something, they reach back out because there's a trust in, in what you're doing and they know that they can rely on you to deliver what they want. So fortunately, I need somebody to do some sales training I'm not a sales trainer and I got introduced to Laura and then we met at Victoria Costa and that was it it was like oh it was like everybody must have looked at us and gone what the hell is that going on <laughs> uh, it just clicks sometimes though it doesn't does. it with people and it's, it's interesting the point you made around you know your first first boss mm. your first leader inspired you I, I think that that cannot be underestimated the amount that we pick up from people we work for and even the the bad ones I think I've learned some of the best ways of being a good leader from the yeah. poorest leaders that I've worked for it's so yeah, important really is important and I think I, as you said you're first in everything when we talk about employee engagement it's that you know the experience you have of your first boss or your first team leader will make or break your relationship with the next one that comes along so when we're thinking about you know, how do we engage with our employees actually it starts with you it starts with you know who are you knowing what you're good at what you're not so good at I think it's really important for people to recognize the talent in others and we always talk about from a wellness perspective you know what do you notice and care about other people as well so that you know you're not just going through the motions you actually genuinely care about the people around you who may be with you for years they may be with you for six months but if you've left an, such an imprint on them and they remember you oh my god they will always remember you as that good yeah. boss but you're right the bad ones are the lessons right <laughs> yeah absolutely i look back at some of my first bosses and think how were you a boss what were yeah. you doing like what is that all about great <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know. I think that was, um, as I mentioned back in the 90s, I walked into a job, which you could, I won't name the company, but I was outside um, and the boss at the time would shout literally from his desk across the office to whoever he wow. needed to come into the office. And I stood there and I went what is this just really happening at the moment yeah. and I just went is he always like this and they went yes yeah. so I went oh I'm not having this so off I went I just didn't go back so yeah I don't blame I couldn't you do that now so yeah <laughs> do you know what? you just triggered a memory one of my first leadership roles yeah. was at a company where a group of people had to get together at a certain time of the day and they had to sort items from one part of the warehouse into another part of the warehouse and they'd have to walk around doing it right. and no word of a lie my job as the leader was to they in like a ball ring all standing around together like like, like chickens walking around in a, in a hen yeah. farm and I used to literally have to just stand in front of them with my arms crossed just stand there watching them do the work and that was the way that was the wow. culture and the way that it was yeah. and 
because everyone else did it, I thought that's what I had to do. And I'd spend all day just standing mm. in front of them, watching them. And these were grown men, some of them double my age. And I look back now and I think, what, what, what is that all about? That's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it is, isn't it? But you could argue that, you know, you didn't know any different as to how it was meant to be. You know, it's quite hierarchical, I suppose, when I first started in the world of work. And I've watched it evolve. But then I've had some really good role models. Um, mm. And I've been really fortunate to work with some amazing people in, you know, as peers um, that have all wanted something very similar. They've all wanted people to be their best. So I suppose I'm very fortunate to have been surrounded by, most of the time, by people that genuinely want to invest in people and want to see them shine and be their best self, which I don't know whether that's I've just been drawn to that, you know, because it, it fits with my values and my purpose. So now I'm quite determined to make sure that I continue to do what makes me happy, what motivates me and brings me the energy to get up every day. You know, being self-employed, you know, it's, it's tough. It's not easy to consciously keep working on your your business and in your business and you wear this dual hat I suppose of one I've got to have a pipeline coming through and I've got to have business but also I've still got to love what I do and so therefore I'm not the best maybe as planned as organized as I can be <laughs> so when you talk about that lovely world of continuous improvement and lean I'm always continuously improving. So yeah. the thing is, when you're self-employed, if you don't do it, nobody yeah. else is going to. You've no, exactly. got to have that motivation, haven't you? Yeah, you definitely have. One of the things we always talk about is making sure you tap into your passion and what's it, what is important for you. And not everybody finds that straight away. And you know, one of the uh, big contract we did um, for Heathrow Airport, actually looking at purpose and values, it was amazing because people were starting to tap into why do they get up every day? What motivates them? To to want to come to work and start to identify what's their values but also what's their purpose in life um, mm. and I was very fortunate to be handed over the baton to carry on as the lead facilitator across and rolling that out to thousands of people to be fair and listening to their stories and how they came to be was oh my god it just lit my heart up it was absolutely wow. I was meant to be doing what I do it was amazing as, as I've got older and perhaps wiser <laughs> I think there's nothing more rewarding than watching people develop helping people you know go from a to b come out of mm. themselves gaining confidence uh, get promoted it's just such a rewarding experience to see that i love mm. that yeah it is and i think that's the bit when you think about people say what's the benefits of employee engagement and why should we engage with our employees well they're doing everyday jobs that could make you look good so why would you not you know so we always question it and i suppose yeah. with my experience over years of doing different roles and working in different environments you certainly pick up how you can um, impact and influence on people and a lot of that comes from you know whether you when you want to can you be asked to but do you care enough it comes back to that caring and yeah. Laura and I've found um, this amazing African proverb which you I know you would have heard of Matt it's this one that says if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and for me Love that it. just sums up that whole bit is you know if you want to engage your people People, making sure that they're with you, you know, the benefits of employee engagement. Um, I think as we focus through this crazy decade that we're, we're in at the moment, where there is lots of change and there's lots of conflict, I think, and a little bit of disharmony in some areas because people are still deciding you know how they want to work and what's important for them you know we need to be able to interact really well with everybody to maximize the team potential I think which is really important and how we engage and energize and inspire others to work as one team can be absolutely pivotal for the years ahead so whether you are hybrid virtual real a mixture whatever that looks like I think it's really important that you know to create that team engagement we need to be able to connect really well we need to express what our thoughts and feelings are and I think we also need to be able to build good relationships with others because I think it's all about the relationship yeah I remember my dad saying you know it's not what you know it's who you know yeah and I thought oh really is it and I go yeah it really is it is you can build that it is I think you need to have that connection with people you genuinely need to care about people in order to get the best out of people and if you don't then I say you shouldn't be in a management role because management is all about people you know so which is 
important. That's one of the, the wonderful things about a lean culture or a continuous improvement culture is that it involves the people. So mm. it, it doesn't, it's not a management practice. It's not management saying this is what we need to do, go away and do it. This is people yeah. that are doing the jobs, that understand the processes, their opinion counts and they're being heard and, and that's so important. Do you know one yeah. of my pet hates is when I walk into a business and I walk into the reception, look up on the wall and it's got like the wall of who works there. Oh my gosh, Oh, yeah. nothing annoys me more when you see like the, the leader at the top and there's like a pyramid yeah. and below them you've got their managers, below them you've got their managers and then right at the very bottom you've got all of the, like, the associates or the people that do the, oh, turn it up the other yeah, way. Turn it up the way, yeah, the upside down drawing. Yeah, yeah, it really annoys me because it basically just <laughs> says I'm really important and you guys down there, you know, you're not really yeah. important. I went into one place once, no word of a lie, the pictures of the people got smaller as they went down the pyramid. So by the time you got to the bottom, there were tiny little passport photos. Oh, wow, that's really bad, isn't it? Terrible. That's one way to really not engage your people as they yeah. as they walk through the door every day. That's what they're going to see. So subconsciously, that message of, well, you're not that important to me is going to be being underpinned probably in everything that they do now. Awful. Yeah, that'd be an interesting one. Really bad. Well, I'd love oh, to yeah. look into what their you know their, their experiences and, and their turnover of staffs like in a place like that. Yeah, you could do a study on it and just see the importance of yeah. turning that triangle upside down, as you said. Yeah, yeah. I, I always say that. I always turn it up the other way because it's it's super yeah. important. So one of the other things that I'm quite passionate about, and and I think we share an interest here, is the psychological safety space for people at work within a business. So psychological safety is all about people not feeling that they're going to be judged or frowned upon mm. for speaking up or you know feeling comfortable to to speak out about ideas and not being afraid to fail because continuous improvement is all about failure and as human beings mm-hmm. we learn most when we fail we do but not everybody will will let you do that i think certainly in my experience of working with different people you know part of our role has been to if you like give some development and training to first line managers you know frontline first time ever stepping in from that team member to team management position and like you said earlier that perception that they had of do I just stand around and demand and control and command what's going on like a bit like as you said you're walking around the ballroom type thing like whoa and we go no you first of all it has to start with you you have to think about who am I as this leader or manager supervisor whatever your job title is I'd ban job titles if I could (laughs) because it sets people up for (laughs) for a bit of failure sometimes because people go they're my boss you know and it's like no but they're just another human being and and so we always encourage people to say go back to the basics as we said you know really go back and understand you know who are who are you first of all it starts with you but who are we as a team Mm -hmm. and if we can start to agree how we're going to be together how we're going to work together you know when we can make mistakes what's going to happen so you agree if you like what we call in coaching as well the contract of how we're going to work together in this moment and then it's really important for everybody to be clear on what that is clarity and um, being clear on the expectation I think is is so so important and a lot of you know early managers forget that bit they just assume that people know what they want and it's like no you've got to have dialogue you've got to communicate you've got to ensure that you understand what they understand about what you want and if you don't then you're already on a hiding to nothing so you know that bit about getting to know your people and creating that safe space in which mistakes are okay because it's then picking that person back up and saying you know so you know what went well what would you improve next time what would you do maybe differently is there anybody else that you need to get involved is there anything else I can do to help you that I maybe haven't done so again it's very much from a I believe from a coaching approach really where you're getting them to tell you what they need rather than you're telling them what they need because that's a bit of a turn-off for people sometimes yeah definitely when I look at leadership now Mm. I, I don't know if it's just me seeing it like this and I'm just as I'm growing or whether this has actually happened but I feel like leadership has grown more from a dictatorship into a coaching role now yeah I was brought up to believe the boss tells you what to do and you just do it no yeah. no questions asked yeah. but I don't feel like it's like that now I feel very much now like it's a collaboration and you're very much involved in you know make people part of the solution not yeah. part of the problem I think yeah. to 
really important piece. Would you agree with that? Yeah, oh my God, I 100% agree with that. And for those managers that, if you like, have woken up to that and realised that in order to get the best out of my people, you know, I need to be able to understand them better, know what turns them on, what turns them off, know what, what their likes and dislikes are, you know, know what they need from me as their manager leader to be able to get the best out of them so I can unlock that potential. And I know that's a cliche, but actually I think that's what happened to me. You know, my boss at the time back in the 80s, unlock your future, your potential wasn't even a buzzword in the world of um, you know, business words, as we always call it, leadership bingo words. You know, So yeah, it was now it's sort of blazoned around like, oh, yes, I'll unlock your future potential. And I always say to people, what does that mean? That's great. Yeah. But it's a bit like, as you know, when you write words on a flip chart, about what type of leader do you want to be? And they write, you're honest, transparent, caring, notes, all those lovely words that, uh, as we call leadership bingo words. And I always say, yeah, so what does that mean? How do I know that that's what you're doing? How will I know that actually these are not just words on a flip chart? These are actually words about who you are, rather than just give me the bog standard. So yeah. As you can appreciate, when we walk into a room and deliver some leadership training, it can be a bit of a shock for some people because they're not expecting us to challenge, I suppose, or I always like to call it about disrupting their current thinking into what do those words actually mean? Because they've been banded around for years, you know, Mm -hmm. 30, 40 years. And so people just spew them out and they don't really understand or stop to reflect and go, what does that really mean for me? What does that really mean for my teams as well? And I think that's the way you can get engaged and inspire your team if you take time. And we say that, you know, the biggest gift you can give to your teams is your time and recognition. Time to talk and find out what's going on, but also recognition that they exist as a human. Don't just overlook them. A bit like your your little small little tiny pictures that were in that reception. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, whoa, you know, that's that's what people want. And they go, but I haven't got time because I'm doing the do, as you said, I've got management a task driven. Yes, there is an element of that, but to be a great manager, that's what you need your team for. So how do you engage? engage your team as you said to bring out the best in them you know what they all we all bring knowledge and expertise we all come with a backstory do you know what your team's backstory is you know do you understand where they've come from to get them into your team today and if you don't then my suggestion is always go and find out because you may be blown away with the absolute gifts that that person can bring to your team but because you've just gone from a job description or a job title you've boxed them off into this job or you just you just do that yeah you know, don't don't step out of that you know because that's what what do you want about and I think for for people that see past that and yes there's a job to do and absolutely stay with you know within that but actually it's the what else it's that what's the development you're giving to your team I think that's what people are looking for is you genuinely care you know and I probably can count on you know maybe one hand the amount of leaders that I've seen in my time working with different organizations that really inspire their teams and unfortunately sometimes they're a little bit maverick I think Um, they're a bit out there they challenge the norm which is what I used to do I was used to get told you'll never be a HR director because you challenge the process too much and I go but isn't that what I'm supposed to do (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly yeah isn't that what I paid for? You yeah. know, no, we want you to fit into this little box of only do what you can, you know, what you're supposed to do, not add value type thing. Okay. <laughs> I was on an interview panel once with a number of other leaders and, and one of them was a, with a HR business partner. And um, mm. at the end, after doing all the interviews, you get together and you have a chat about the yeah. candidates. And during the chat about the candidates, and but on, this was about eight years ago, the uh, the HR business partner turned around to me and they said, "You're a you're a HR risk. You're on the list." <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and did back. you like it? Target on your back. That's a good place to be. I'm I'm with you on that because you know that's where you disrupt the norm yeah. right because that's you know i think if people don't embrace what's coming through or they're not have that growth mindset to keep on learning and keep on developing and you know learn from their people if you've been in a manager's role for i don't know 15 20 years you forget sometimes what it's like when you start in a new organization so that i love that program that used to go back to the floor when it first started where they really got to see what what it was like you know and then how they made some changes but i think you you know, it takes takes a really special leader, manager, boss to step out of the expectation of being this, you know, leadership bingo words person mm-hmm. and being yourself, being your authentic self, which 
I think is really, really important when it comes to uh, employee engagement. So you're practicing what you preach. You say what you're going to do and you do it. You're congruent with who you are. I think your values are aligned and people can see that even though they may not know you well, your perception and what you're giving out to your team, that's what they're going to see. And if you're not true to yourself, then they're going to see straight through you. So yeah. Yeah. What's that program where they stick on a wig and they go, is it like undercover boss? They stick is on a something wig. something like that. Yeah. yeah they go into it. the operation yeah. and then they, you know, no one recognizes them because they've got blue hair rather than yeah. normal <laughs> white hair or whatever it is. It's so funny. <laughs> but it's, yeah. but, but you're right. You, you don't have to talk in business jargon Mm-mm. to your team. Talk to them normally. Talk to them yeah. like human beings in a way that each of you understand. You'll get a much better result for it, won't you? Yeah, you definitely will. And I think that's the bit where people, I don't know whether they're, should I do that? I sometimes get asked in one-to-one coaching with you know, new managers or managers that are moving into a different team. You know, they're a little, maybe lost their confidence along the way because with the lovely COVID and everything else that went on around that, a lot of people did lose their jobs and suddenly they were having to reinvent themselves. And the authority that they may have had prior to that, suddenly they were going in at a very different level. So doing some one-to-one with people to build their confidence back up. They're still the same person. They've had experiences that have shaped them. And we all have experiences that shape us every day. But actually, that didn't change who that person fundamentally was. So, you know, being able to ask them some questions, I think, was something that really got them to think. And a couple of the people that I work with went on to say, I took your questions and asked my team when I got there. And I said, oh, my God, that's amazing. Because I, I just pass on my knowledge and people can use it. And if they do, they don't. But it normally is what they choose to do. And I love it when they come back and say to me, I used what you did to me, I did to my team. And the difference it made was in incredible and you know some of the questions to be able to explore I suppose what's going on for people is really important and so therefore you know as a team you can do this where we ask you to think about when do we feel alive as a team so for those of us that are you know wanting to mix up our team events in general chat check in with them and things like that you know when do we feel alive as a team uh oh do we feel that friday night friday night (laughs) what makes that a good one yeah well we're just as you said i think it's that well we're just being human we're talking to each other as normal normal in inverted commas whatever normal is i think also asking your team what strengths do they bring it's focusing on what they do do not what they don't do which a lot of a lot of people fall in that trap of go well you should have done it this way okay without really asking what happened there so reframing the question sometimes you know where do you think you are most useful in this team I think that's quite a nice question to ask of a team what does success look like for you because if you're doing it as a team you can see how the team are aligned and whether they feel that they belong and I think that's the key you know we have to feel like that we do belong to something that we are adding some value and that we are special if you like because we are all individual and all very special but that comes back to that recognition that I exist in this team and I think you know how will you know that you matter to this team is a great question to ask of yourself but also of your team because if you can't answer that then you may not feel motivated or engaged as much as you possibly could be so thinking about and yeah I think it's a brave courageous manager that will take time out and explore this with their team be curious about it you know explore it and and just stop and think about what do we want yeah what impact do we want to have as a team And then people can find their lane, as I call it. They get aligned to the bit. Oh, I like that bit. You know, they get aligned to that and they find their lane in that and therefore they can make sure that they are still contributing because they now have a purpose. They can see why, their why. And, you know, you've done loads of work around that as well. Uh, And you talk about that really eloquently on the guest you had, what I listened to, about understanding why we're doing what we're doing. Oh, that was with Anil, Anil Matthew. Yes, right. Yeah, from the LHS. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I think it's really important that whatever level you are within a business, hate hate levels, but but just use, it's the term that's used, but whatever level you are, I think people really have to understand how what they do plays a critical Mm. role into the objectives of the company. And if you can get people to understand that, 
very few people come into work deliberately set out to do it wrong. No one no. comes in to deliberately be a disaster. People no. genuinely want to be good at what they do. And if they understand how that rolls up into the overall objectives, I think you'll get more from the people. Mm. I really do. Yeah. But you've got to be able to communicate that well. And I think that's another thing is to how do we communicate our intent? So as you said, you know, if we have this lovely mission vision statement at the very top of the organisation, that's great if you can see the behaviours and the attitude being demonstrated alongside it. Yeah. Because it, otherwise it's just false. It's just like, well, that's yeah. lovely. That's, you know, yeah, exactly. Oh, we've done that all right. You know, so I think it comes down a lot more. And, and for those great team managers that I've seen over the years that have embraced this and gone, oh, that's different. It's not textbook. Mm-hmm. I just need to ensure that what do my people understand about what that vision, mission, vision, whatever you want to call it, um, actually means to them. Because... If it's a disconnect, then they're not going to feel like they belong. They're not going to feel that they can have some autonomy to be able to master anything in the jobs that they're doing. So therefore, I might need to take a look at my leadership, my management style, so that I can therefore adjust and adapt. We talk about, Laura talks on our podcast a lot. She talks, and I'm not taking this as her work, around having that foxy mindset, as she calls it. Um, (laughs) And she talks about being foxy. And it's just amazing to hear her talk about how the fox, when you look at, you know, combine it with the world of nature has had to evolve and adapt to its surroundings and so therefore that's really if we take the lessons from nature and apply it to the world of work today you know there's a lot of that going on you know we can't just stay stuck and as she calls it panderish where we don't move for 18 hours every day and have our food delivered to us we're not going to go anywhere (laughs) right Um, whereas if we are foxy we forage for it we find different ways we're smart we ask questions we don't just stay stuck we're always evolving and moving on and looking for bigger better ways of doing things and yet at the same time acknowledging the contribution that people have made so far and I think that's what's really important when you're working with teams to engage them to know that they can make a difference Mm. they can put in their ideas they may not all get taken on board but if the ground rules if you like of how we work around here has been set really clearly then you'll get more input from people to improve upon what they're currently doing and use their knowledge and expertise because we don't know it all right. 13-time single prize winner Dr. Jeffrey Liker and Toyota Kata author Mike Rother have created the Improvement Kata and Coaching Kata online course. This inexpensive, compact program is designed to transform your thinking and approach, making you a highly skilled learner and coach. Engage in deliberate practice to turbocharge your progress. You also get lifetime access to the materials, including all of the bonus interviews. Why pay up to 10 times the price elsewhere? Listening to some consultant when you can gain direct insights from the masters themselves. Skip the rest and go with the best. Join us today and embark on your journey to excellence. Just click on the link below to start your journey. Exactly. And if they feel listened to, they'll they'll get mm. their brain ticking. If people think about more things and you get more and more and more and it grows and grows and grows. Yeah. Lean has a lot of Japanese words. And when we talk about language and we talk about talking in the way people understand, you don't need to use the Japanese words. The Japanese words mm. are great to, to, to make it sound really fun, exciting and sexy. But you can just use the, the translations. Now, one of the Japanese words is Gemba. Now, now Gemba, <laughs> did you drop your pen? Yeah. <laughs> I did drop my pen then. Doink, Doink. I thought you'd fainted. <laughs> I know I was going to write this down. I love this. I didn't know, I didn't know about this until you told me. And I went, oh, I love yeah. that. Let me go and find out some more. Yeah. Yeah. So Gemba means go to the spot where the work happens, basically. Mm. That's what it translates to. Go to where the work is taking place. Now, one of the best practices to introduce, if you're just starting out with a continuous improvement culture and you want to do some really basic lean, having a daily Gemba walk is a superb way of doing this because what you do is you get yourself, your management team, some associates, some 
some frontline workers, you go down onto the shop floor and you walk around and you just walk around the Gemba. You see where the work's happening, how it's working. They can they can learn from the experience. It's a fantastic way of, of growing people's confidence. And you just ask questions. And one of the things that I liked, my, my personal best practice when I do this, is I don't go up to people and ask them closed questions or I don't go up to them and tell them they're not doing something right. I will go up to people and I'll say, hi, I'm Matt. Talk to me about what you're doing. Talk to me about how you feel about yeah. working here. Talk to me about the things that you would improve. And I always start the sentences with talk to me about. And I find that it just allows people just that mm. freedom to, to speak and open up. It's it's such a great yeah. tool. I love it yeah. so much. Nothing annoys me more when I go into a site and I say, what time's your Gemba walk? And they go, oh, we've cancelled it today because we're really busy. And I'm like, oh, give up. I just give up. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because it appears that therefore you don't care enough about us. That comes back to that, you know, do you feel that you matter to this team? And if you're not doing your Gemba walk because we're, you're too busy doing something else that you probably hadn't planned or prepped for, which you maybe should have done as a leader, right? <laughs> That's part of what you get paid for, right, is to pre-plan and pre a bit more proactive, is to still have it. Because otherwise you go, oh, obviously I don't matter to you. Yeah. Then. So because you've just disbanded the one thing that brings the team together every morning. I worked for, a, not naming any names, but a big supermarket that was setting up a new distribution centre down in the south. And they were very hot on their huddles, as they called them. And that was obviously from the same as you were saying, that same lean principle of getting everybody together, um, finding out what's going on. And as you said, the questions you ask and this is where coaching, taking a coaching approach comes into it, because like you said, talk to me about, you know, my, my great one, oh, go tell me more. Yeah. Um, oh, that's interesting. Help me understand what that means to you. And I said, you're just reframing a question into getting somebody to tell you first, because then if you can understand where their brain is, where they're, what they're thinking is, the way they're sort of explaining it to you, all the time you're you're gathering this information, you're understanding it from their map of the world, which means that then you can choose how you then pitch your next answer or your next question rather than just keep hell-bent on this is what I'm going to do and I'm just going to do it this way. It's the highway or no way type approach. Mm. That doesn't work. So that ability to ask great open questions, you know, tell me when or how does that impact on you or what difference does that make to you? What do you love about your job? Help me understand what wakes gets you up in the morning, you know, and it's all these things, but tell me more. I yeah. go, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. And I love it because people just go, oh, they come alive. you do want to listen. Yeah. Brilliant. Because I've bothered. Yep. Yeah, I generally care, but I think you can't fake that. I think, mm. and it comes back to that being your authentic self being true to who you are, there's a level of vulnerability that goes with that because, as you said, new managers sometimes coming into a role think they have to be a certain way and they don't. And and you can stand up for you know yourself and, and be confident in saying, mm, I'm not sure, can you help me understand what made you think that? So it's a great tool to manage upwards as it is to manage Absolutely. across and down. So, yeah. I think some of the best leaders that, that I've worked for would know the answer sometimes to the problem so they have the solution but they won't they won't tell me the solution they will lead me to come back with it yeah. so they'll talk me through and, and lay the trail of breadcrumbs if you yeah. like and I come up with it myself and I own it more then because I think oh, I've owned that solution I've, I've got the yeah, idea exactly and that then it's your confidence it you feel that you're valued you have been listened to you've made a difference and you're learning Whereas if somebody's always telling you, they're keeping you in that childlike state, if you like, yeah. you know, well, you shouldn't be doing that because I'm, you know, the parent in this relationship. Actually, no, it doesn't work that way in the world of work. But I think the managers and leaders that I've seen over the years and, you know, the people that I've done some one-to-one -one coaching with as well, and I've done thousands and thousands of hours of coaching with people. And you're so right, that ability to give them the solution because I, in my space as a coach, I always... 100% believe that people do have the solution to whatever issue, whatever problem, whatever concern they've got. It's just buried really deep sometimes. And in my role, 
I'm not there to tell them anything in that coaching space, which is when I do leadership training. This is where it molds into being a group coaching approach, if you like. There are some things I do tell them because they don't know it, but actually it always turns into a coaching question. I can't give you know feedback without saying, so what you know, what do you think you might do with that? Yeah, how does that land for you? You know, it's like I'm always moving them forward with that. And I think that's what's really important is to be able to not make it about you make it all about them mm-hmm. um and therefore you know you because you know leaders get their recognition from other places you know and if they're always looking to be seen to be the best or oh my god you're amazing or you know that's their ego driving them that's not they're not there for the people as i always call it that's probably why i never did become you know, the <laughs> HR director at the time i think in your role though <laughs> be, being a uh, like a consultant if you like where you're going into these different companies it's a really good perspective to have because you're not going to understand everything that goes on you don't know the processes you don't know the solutions but you're asking the right questions that enables people to come up with the solutions and that's going to be much more longevity than it would be if you just gave them the answer tom to go away and do it it's going to grow isn't it absolutely and they own it then like you said if if you're you're that person sort of laid the breadcrumbs out for you and you came to your own solution you're more likely to think bigger next time and go back and do it because your confidence is high yeah because you're, oh my god i was able to sort that out for myself yes you were because one you're more than capable it's just sometimes we just need reminding of the strengths that we've got the skills that we bring the levels where we can actually be operating because of messaging from the past all of that can actually push us down so you know lifting people back up as I always call it and just reminding them of the great stuff they bring and how they apply those skills to maybe an area where they're not as great yet and it's not yet it's not ever it's just you're not there yet that's okay because then that will enable you to explore learn grow develop which is the world that we live in right we want it to be better than it was a moment ago we are all remarkable. We just need to mm. sometimes bring that out of people as leaders. So I'm going to do yeah, something really definitely. clever now. See if you can work out oh what my I've gosh, done. Go on. Talk to me about wellness coaching, <laughs> Debbie. You see that? You see what I did? <laughs> I love that. I love that. I could definitely. That's one of the questions I get asked a lot. What is this wellness coaching? And my answer is always the same. It's when you you are in true alignment with who you are. That's it. When you're in alignment with your values, your purpose, your being, your past doesn't need to define you. It can shape you and it brings you to this moment in time. But actually, this bit around being able to think of who am I today? Who am I now? Because we, you know, we don't stay the same. And we do have experiences that shape us, but that doesn't mean we have to stay stuck there. So when we when we look at the foundations that we create for ourselves, it's really important to be able to live what we call this compassionate existence. So if I can look after my whole self, if I can look at my whole self with the four cornerstones, which are from a physical, mental, emotional and spiritual perspective, and I have a harmony. I struggle with the word balance because I don't think we ever will have a balance in anything. Whereas if we create more of a harmony where it can merge and there is this, okay, I need to focus in on my emotional well-being uh, today because I haven't done that. But if we're consciously thinking about how have I topped myself up in each of those four areas, then we can live what we call this compassionate existence so that we're interconnected on all levels So we're not just focusing on our physical, we're actually impacting on our mental, emotional and spiritual as well. And I don't mean, you know, spiritual means different things to different people. So it's finding out what it is that we use the word nourish, what nourishes you every day. So what enables you to shift into some sort of action mode that enables you to start to think about when you can create your foundation, if you like, to embrace opportunities, to look for times to be able to transform and to be able to ground yourself in who you are today. And I suppose it looks at all the things that make you, you, as we said earlier, we're all unique. We all have special things and gifts that we bring. And it's that ability to just stop and think about what that is. And in wellness coaching, we create that safe space for people to be curious. And that's all I ever want people to be is just be curious. Let's explore what that means for you, not Mm -hmm. me. I mean, I do coaching all the time and I I walk away from a coaching session. I don't actually have any actions to do from that. And that's how it should be. 
it should be the person walks away thinking about what they could do differently, thinking about how they feel about doing things, what's their beliefs about themselves now, so that they go away and reflect on it and come back to the next session and we explore what they're learning all of the time. So because I believe that, you know, when you put your mind to something and you have the support with you, I always say in coaching, I'll walk alongside you as you explore this new world that you're sort of stepping into. And I'll be here and all the way along the way as long as you need me, because that's really important that people feel like they're supported. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I've learned over the years that I may be the only person that believes in that individual. I may be the only person that 100% know that they can. That makes me quite sad sometimes because because <laughs> people don't go, wow, who have you got around you that's your supporter you know, or your raving fan? And to go, well, I haven't really got anybody. And I go, whoa, okay, let's work on that then. Let's, you know, let's explore that. And as long as you're exploring it with curiosity, you don't have to make any decisions because it's always your choice. You know, I'm not telling you to do things. Uh, You don't have to do anything if you don't want to. It's always a choice. And when we're in wellness coaching, that's one of the things we explore. We ask people questions. You know, what would you like to see differently? Thinking about your values. Are they still aligned to who you are based on your experiences that take you to the day to day? And then you can explore what those values mean to you. We also get people to think about what do they want? You know, what do they really want in their life? And it can be anything. Um, Because again, everybody is unique. We all have different things that we want in our lives. So having that space to just explore. And I say, you know, there's no idea is a a silly idea. Oh, I don't think I need that. Well, who says? And that comes back to messaging that they're hearing. And then asking, you know, what do I really want to be doing? So you might brainstorm 20 or 30 things that you really, really want. And then we normally then break it down and go out of those 20 let's pick your top 10. Okay, let's explore them. Now let's pick your top five. Let's explore them. It doesn't mean we're not going to do the other 15. Mm -hmm. It just means we're focusing on let's make one change at a time. Because if you start with in one area, it will always impact on all of the other areas anyway. I just need to get people to start the movement forward from where they are to where do they want to be. Eat the elephant in bite-sized chunks. That's the one. Yeah, I think it was always the quote. I don't know who said that. I'm not very good at names at the moment. Is it a journey of a thousand miles? begins with one step yeah I can't remember who said that but that's what we do in wellness coaching we start wherever you're at you know we don't go backwards we're not counsellors I'm not certainly not a counsellor I don't go back to explore I I ask you to tell me what's got you here and then we take the, the, the lessons that have got you here and making sure that people are really clear on okay but I better not do that again you know so we break the patterns sometimes in people's behavior um that helps them see it but because it's so new and it's so fresh it certainly gets them into their stretch zone and then we work with people as i said around the whole person not just one part of it and you'll see that you know things around making sure you have nutrition and sleep well and rest and all of that it's about creating a harmony in your life where you're doing things that are important to you you might be giving back you're not giving everything of you you know we also say about you know before you can help others you have to put your own oxygen mask on first yeah so what have you done for you today you know and i know i do my thoughts for the day every day uh, on my wishfish instagram um, post and they're more mainly to get people to just stop and think and pause and go oh have i done that for myself today not sure and if that's enough to just make you stop rather than go on autopilot through the motions yeah and makes you go oh maybe i will do that okay it's up to you if you do but it's noticing then the difference it's made to you which is really important i love those daily posts that you put out i, I look at them every <laughs> single day and um, so if you, if you follow debbie on social media you'll see that she posts every morning it's, it's debbie's daily thought and they're brilliant they are so good Thank you. And you even stuck with them over Christmas, which is equally impressive. I did. Yeah, I just thought I did the countdown to Christmas, which I didn't do last year. But I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to do that. And I thought, I'm going to have to. Yeah, it was important for me because I do them as much for myself as a bit of my check in. My routine in the morning is to just sit really quietly. And this is all to do with connection and wellness and being true to myself so that I can just take a moment. I get up early, super early normally and just be really quiet. I've got my two cats that 
that look at me as if I'm mad. <laughs> and it becomes part of my ritual. And I just sit really quietly and think, what should I post about today? And it literally is things that I've either heard or people that I've worked with that have just been such inspiring to me that I've gone, oh, I'm going to write about that. There was one that really hit home where one of my clients is going through quite a crazy time. But the words that she came out with after working with her for over a year was grace and strength. And it was just, oh my God, it just made me go goosebumps. So I asked her permission if I could, without obviously breaking confidence, was just say, can I use that as some, one of my daily thoughts? And the response I got was huge. So that's all down to her because they were her words, not mine. But the words around it were mine as to what you can do to find grace and strength in all that you do. So Brilliant. Yeah. It's Amazing. really good. And sending them out first thing in the morning as well. It really helps. Yeah. It helps me sometimes. I look at them and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, good. I'm ready to go now. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's have it. <laughs> I feel motivated, engaged. Yeah. I do, and motivation is so important as well because, you know, particularly, I don't know if this is just me, but I've found it over the last couple of weeks we've had the bad snow in the UK and it's been very cold and I can't afford to put the heating on because it's so damn expensive. Yes. I, I find it really hard to stay motivated sometimes. I'm mm. hungry, I'm cold. My brain just will not allow me to concentrate on something for more than a couple of minutes. Is, is that mm. normal? <laughs> is it just me? <laughs> No, no, you're quite normal. <laughs> we all do that. And I suppose I can't motivate you to do whatever you want to do per se. I can create the environment for you or we can create the environment around us. So if we know that if we're sitting at our desks and not moving, we are more likely to feel the cold and therefore lose concentration or focus because then we're focusing on what we haven't got rather than what we have got. So that ability to catch it, as I always call it, and just stop and think about what's the environment that I've created around myself? Do I need to go and put another jumper on? Do I need to walk? You know, whatever it may be, it's again your choice. What's going to make me feel good in yeah. that moment? You know, so that I can not feel cold and not focus and just go, oh my God, I just want to roll up in my bed. Maybe take your laptop and just snuggle up into the duvet. Yeah. Who knows? You yeah, know, it's 2023 now. We can do stuff like that. <laughs> you can do stuff like that. But it's, um, yeah, it's really interesting because, as I said, we can't, we can provide the environment that enables people to feel motivated, but we cannot motivate people yeah. per se. And I think that's what's really important because we have to tap into what people want, really. You know, when we think about the autonomy, as we mentioned earlier, that sense of being in control of something so that I have a drive and determination to achieve I think it's really important and it's on my terms which is where a lot of the coaching space works that belonging which we've talked a lot about belonging to something feeling like I'm part of something makes me feel secure in that moment a feeling of competence the, the way that I can master something I can be good at something and we can all be good at something so it's making sure that I'm accomplished in that moment and then lastly it's that meaning having that sense of understanding and care about the job that I'm doing you know I was really fortunate to sort of step into different roles if I didn't enjoy what I was doing it didn't light me up it wasn't giving me what I wanted I would move on and everybody said oh but it's a safe job yeah but I'm not happy and I always trusted the universe and went, something will come up, yeah. whether it's, you know, working in the local supermarket. I was still working with people, which is my passion. It really didn't matter. Such a brave decision to do that. It's, you know, real credit to you. I really respect that because people can get stuck in a rut. We've had a couple of people that have been in the company like, oh, my God, 30 years. And I go, wow, my sister worked for her company for 30 years, but she loved it because she kept moving around. So she didn't mind that. But it was the same, you know, big company. But we do go into some organisations and you just think you are just stuck. Yeah. And doesn't matter what you do, they just don't want to move on. But I think that's a choice. Those And then when you coach somebody around moving on, there's all the fear, confidence of starting over is just not there because they've got comfortable. So yeah. to step them out, which is, you know, what happened in the aviation industry, we did lots of work within the aviation and that just stopped through the pandemic. And people were having to find different jobs and transferable skills. So focusing on what, again, coming back to what can you bring? What do you do? Getting yourself a good career coach who helps you shape your CV so that you're showing yourself up yeah. in the best way possible, showing out, as we call it. Yeah, I think you learn more. That, that refresh, that go again, it's, it's mm. sometimes it's just like revitalising. It's an amazing feeling. It is, yeah. I, I think the longest I stayed was at Telewest, actually, and that was, I think, six years. So um, I hence walked away with my first ever really decent redundancy package. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and set up my company, yeah, so hey. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. So that's the universe, though, isn't it? That it was meant it to be because it allowed you to open another part of your life, which you've gone on and thrived in. Clearly, yeah. it's been brilliant. Love it. Yeah. Right, should we have it. some fun? Go on then. We are going to play the the famous yes no game. Okay, I'm ready. I'm going to ask you a series of questions as quick as I possibly can. All right. And you need to answer them, but you cannot say yes or no. Oh, okay. So there's 60 seconds, right. and we'll see if you can last the full 60 seconds. All right, let's give it a go. So 60 seconds on the clock, please. Do not say yes or no, Debbie. If you do, you are out. Are you ready? I am. Do you think you would be a good ninja? Oh, my God. Absolutely. (laughs) Do you ever narrate to yourself inside your head as if you were in a movie? All the time. Are you sure? Positive. (laughs) Do you sing in the shower? Oh, that would not be good for anybody. Why not? Because I'm a rubbish singer. Are you? I am. (laughs) Have you ever had a crush on a cartoon character? (laughs) Possibly. Which one? It's got to be a Captain America. Captain America. I remember Captain America. Do you have an embarrassing nickname? I used to. What was it? It was Martian. Why? Because my surname is Green. Oh, very (laughs) clever. I love it. (laughs) Have you ever ordered takeout to avoid doing the dishes? All the time. You've done it, Debbie. You lasted 60 seconds and you didn't say yes or no. Oh, my God, that was hard work. I am super impressed. Do you know, I don't know if it's harder answering the questions or trying to read the questions. Great questions, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, I had to really think. They knew right. That was like, wow, these are coffee now. Yeah, well, the trick is trying to lure you into a sense of security and then quickly whack you with a yes-no question straight away afterwards. But you did really well. 60 seconds, you smashed it. Yeah. That was amazing. Thank you for that. That was good fun. Oh, my God. That was good fun. I like that. So what's next for Debbie then? Tell me what's going on. Where can people learn more about you and see what you're doing? Mm. So obviously you can come onto our website, which is Wishfish Coaching and Development, and and you'll see all the programmes that we run for people. We're also, obviously, the Secrets from a Coach podcast is in its third year now. It's brilliant um, as well. Which well, Thank you very much. And Laura and I are just super proud of it. So we're just loving every moment of it, having you know put something together from out of lockdown where it was just sort of 30 minute lunch and learns and then realized people were going back to work so we transferred it to pods and we're loving it so we've got some stuff that's going on there and you can find us on all the usual platforms of under secrets from a coach and see us from there we're also sort of doing our spa series as well at the moment where what, the shop yeah the shop <laughs> yeah no <laughs> I love Trolley that. Dash. Spa without the R. Yes, I love that. Quick, quick. <laughs> Where we're doing um, sort of a, sort of four 60-minute sessions for teams or individuals, depending on what they want, where it gives them, if you like, the spa series where they can just take a moment um, to quieten their inner critic and dial up their inner coach. They can have a look at what all imposter syndrome and self-sabotage is all about, uh, how to value yourself and knowing your worth and language that's good for you. So that's our series that we're putting on for teams. Um, We've got a few people that are coming through for that and there's a special offer on that at the moment. And then obviously individually, we're doing lots of coaching with people at this moment about starting the new year off. Where do they want to go? How do they want to finish it? So, yeah, lots of things going on at the moment. You are very busy. Mm, We are busy, actually, which is fab. We love it. Absolutely love it. And I love your website, by the way. It is the most friendly, warm, just it's just a really nice website. It's very well written. Um, So check out what's what's the address for your website. So it's www.wishfish.org.uk check it out it's really good when you say that do you always feel like you've said too many w's because i always do when i do say i don't even say www anymore in case i say too many brilliant well thanks for joining us today debbie you've been an amazing guest thank you very much it's been an absolute pleasure matt thank you some key takeaways from today's conversation with debbie I found today's session really, really interesting. And again, another eye-opening one. Think about your people. Think about what makes them tick. Make them feel important. They're just not another number on the payroll. These are real people who have real lives. You never know what's going on in someone's personal life. So inquire. Ask how they are. Ask what they're doing. Ask what you could do to help them with anything they're doing in their life. Take an interest in your people. That wellness piece is so important. 
Um, ask them open-ended questions. You know, ask them questions like talk to me about or tell me how you do this or how would you do that? Ask their opinion. People who do the job tend to know the most about the job. Really take that interest and break down that management barrier, that parent-child relationship. It doesn't have to exist anymore. We're all human beings. We all get dressed the same way. We all put one leg in before the other when we get dressed. I could have used some different analogies, but I won't. You know what I mean, right? We are all the same. So break down those barriers. If in your organisation, you have one of those organisation charts in your reception, like we spoke about earlier, please, 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 please do me a favour. Don't have management at the top and then frontline associates at the bottom. Don't do that. Spin that triangle, that, that pyramid up the other way. The most important people in your organisation are the people that actually do the day-to-day work. Without them, you wouldn't be anywhere. It wouldn't happen. So please don't, don't, don't make managers feel more important than frontline people because they're not, okay? 100% not. Be foxy leaders. As Debbie pointed out, a foxy leader is the way to be. If you missed a bit about foxy leadership, you need to wind back and have a listen because of I want to be a foxy leader as I'm sure you do. (laughs) Thank you so much to Debbie. It's been a fantastic session. Another really, really good one. That brings us to an end of this episode of the Ever Saline podcast. Thanks to Debbie Green for joining us today and providing a fascinating insight into employee engagement, motivation, and how these elements are critical to creating a safe, positive, and productive environment where it's okay to fail, learn, and adapt, all of which are so important when developing your organization's continuous improvement culture. If you like the sound of today's show, and I know you did, and you would like to hear more, please subscribe and follow the Ever Saline podcast at everseline.com where you will also find episodes that you might have missed. Also, if you're on the socials, check out the Everseline podcast, give us a follow and let me know about your lean efforts because I would love to hear all about them. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. And don't forget, Everseline, you know it makes sense. The Everseline podcast is researched, produced and recorded by Matt Sims. Visit everseline.com to find out more. Yeah.